God bless you for being here. We're so glad you're here. A few months ago, well, it had to be like a year, maybe a year and a half ago, over a year ago. Uh, how many years ago was it that, that you guys went on the Dominican Republic trip? 2013. How many years is that? I'm not good at math. Eight years. Eight years ago, uh, a bunch of a group from the church went to the Dominican Republic. Uh, Peg, you have a newspaper from, from 2013, Daily News. She has the paper from it. Uh, so I know that those who went had an amazing time. And then uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I had lunch with Jim and Renee. Uh, where did we meet? Somewhere in between Mankato or something. We met somewhere, uh, Perkins or something like that. But we had lunch together and got to know each other a little bit. And then the opportunity came for them to come and visit. Uh, and it just so happened to be able that they were able to visit this week, and which worked out really well for us because it's still just dealing with COVID stuff. So we are so glad that they're here. Please welcome Jim and Renee Larson. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to share here today, and thank you so much for being a part of our family of supporters at Everyday Ministries and Everyday Hope. We've, um, well, we've been on the field for almost 17 years now. Uh, it's really tough because you, you have a few minutes to share about what's going on, and it's like, where, what part do you share? You know, where do you go with this? There's so much to, to share with you. I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit about one of our newest programs, but I want you to understand, we can just pause that for just a minute if you don't mind because there are going to be some awesome things coming up there, and it's going to be really hard not to look, I imagine, you know? Um, Everyday Ministries was first founded to strengthen pastors, leaders, communities, strengthen the churches, work alongside all the ch evangelical churches, Christian churches. Your church was a part of that, coming on a mission trip, and um, you got to work on Pastor Juan Santos' church, which is still thriving. Um, he has passed away, gone to be with the Lord, um, but his wife, is ministering in that church as well as his daughters and his wife and daughter are actually part of the everyday ministries um, collaborators for deborah generation ministry i'll explain that a little bit um, but anyway so the all these different years of working with the pastors and leaders we've come to see some other injustices such as lack of clean water lack of opportunities to become sustainable be able to provide for your family and the lack of education so we founded everyday hope and Everyday Hope is the humanitarian arm of what we do. But what's so awesome now is we get to actually deal with the spiritual matter and the physical matter, too, because we're body, soul, and spirit. So it's much, there's much more opportunities to share Jesus when you're actually making a difference in the community. We just finished up with a water project in a community called Pedregal, where now 35 families who never had running water to their homes now have clean running water. And it's like a seven-block project. It was an amazing project. And we just finished that up and are celebrating that. God is just doing amazing things. And it has given us an opportunity to share about the Lord. They know that we're pastors. They know we're a Christian organization. We've partnered with a local pastor as well. And we're just seeing communities come together in unity and harmony. Even though we all have our differences, you know, we can, we can come together and make a difference and really impact the world around us. Um, and in that... The Everyday Ministries, the Everyday Hope. You know, I was working alongside women in leadership through a ministry called Deborah Generation. So uh, we founded that back in 2015. And the whole goal was not only to see women equipped and transformed, empowered, but to do something with it, to get out into the community and make a difference. You know, it's wonderful. We have conferences and different seminars and things and strengthen the women, but we want to mobilize them too. And so... I just get these kerplunks every now and then. And, you know, the kerplunk in the head, like, oh, do this. Oh, is that you, God? Okay, all right, let me pray about that. Yep, more confirmation. It was God, we're going to do this. And so we actually um, started by reaching out to pregnant adolescents in the Dominican Republic. Felt a burden for them, um, did a program, and, and went, wow, this is a big need. There's a lot of girls in need. And you say, well, why that population, Renee? Well, 55% of the live births in the Dominican Republic, okay, are two girls between 13 and 18. That's alarming. That's a crisis. And so Deborah Generation and all its collaborators, um, and again, we're not only on the North Coast where you were with us 13, eight years ago in 2013, 
Ministry is still going strong there. We've got representation of different pastors and collaborators of Deborah Generation all working up there. We're still pouring into those communities. In fact, we're going to duplicate the program I'm about to explain to you in the North Coast in January. Um, but also we moved to Santo Domingo, the capital. So there's ministry going on up on the North Coast, Coast and now it's been duplicated to Santo Domingo. So in Santo Domingo, there's like about 5 million people. It's it's been a big culture shock for Jim and I as well. If anybody remembers Nagua compared to the capital city of five million, it's a big change. But just a little bit out of the, the capitals where you don't have things like running water, hence we were able to do the well project, but also there's a lot of other unmet needs. And so we brought this project out to, this program, out to this community called Pedregal and um, said, yeah, this is something we need to establish on a permanent basis. So I want to introduce to you um, Deborah Generation's baby. Her name is Daughters of Hope. <laughs> you can continue with the slideshow. Thank you. I'm going to let these play behind me. I may not necessarily tell the story, but you're going to get some images of the girls and the, the babies, the lives that we're impacting. Okay, so what is Daughters of Hope? Daughters of Hope is a four-phase program that walks alongside these adolescent moms in their preparation to deliver a baby, in their preparation to be a mom, we, do, we talk about everything from what's happening inside of your body right now to what you can expect um, to, in delivery. We talk about the importance of, of breastfeeding, proper child development. We're talking about planning for their futures. You know, so many come in and they're dejected, they're down, they're rejected. They have been through hard stuff. These are not Christian girls. In fact, the church has rejected them. Isn't that ironic? This is a vulnerable time for these girls. This is a time to reach out. So um, they're coming in, and they are just down. And we're bringing messages of hope. We're, we're focusing on Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has a plan for you, a good plan for you, trying to break that mentality that says, oh, you're stuck now, you're pregnant, you're going to keep having babies and depending on anybody around you. So there are things where we're, we're talking about. What are you going to do for education? How can you continue? What's available in your community? We're sharing Jesus. And in you can see some of the moms here with their babies now because these different phases are different phases of the um, pregnancy development, but also topics pertaining to them. But we have a final phase where they actually bring their newborn babies and we celebrate the very life that God has in their hands. And these are some of the girls here with their babies. And it has been an amazing thing. This, these group of girls were here were some of our hardest ones we've ever dealt with. And look at the smiles and the softness that's happened over the time. Sharing Jesus, sharing the love, sharing hope. The third phase that they were in, third phase, okay, there's four phases of the program. We gave an opportunity once again to receive Christ as their Savior. Eight girls. It was like popcorn. Boom, boom, boom. Stepping up, standing up around the room. And all of us, the collaborators, are grabbing each one and putting our hands on them to pray for them. And they receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Talk about transformation. Talk about life's changing. This, again, is the same group. And these girls were um, cashing in some points they had accumulated because as you attend the program, you get points, and then you can hand it in for different gifts for your baby, different needs that you have for your baby. It might be clothes, it might be shoes, it might be a diaper bag, that kind of thing. So um, in the fourth phase when we were celebrating the baby's lives and doing a baby dedication time, another girl came to receive Christ as her Savior as well. And these same hardened girls, by phase four, were interested, are interested in a Bible study. So we'll be launching that here coming up in the near future of having a Bible study for new believers and then connecting them with local churches. So that is just transformation taking place. God is so good. Um, there's another community I want to tell you about, two communities we're in right now with this program. The last time we met prior to coming here in September... One of the girls came in, and she had already had her baby. And she was sharing with another collaborator, another pastora, that's a woman pastor in the Dominican Republic, pastora, what had happened during the delivery. Now, this girl was not a Christian. I have to tell you about this. Her name's Carla. She said that she had gone to the hospital, the public hospitals. Believe me, you do not want to be in a public hospital in the Dominican Republic. It's the only chance these girls have. It's all they have available. There were mothers having babies to the right, to the left, all around her, and the babies were dying. She was scared, as you can imagine. She's only like 16 years old. And she's afraid, and she's just worried what's going to happen and what to do. And like, suddenly she heard a voice say, everything's going to be all right. 
And she said, I knew that was God. So she immediately began to pray. She was praying in faith that God was going to make everything okay. And as you know, she came to that program with baby in arms. She had a beautiful baby girl, beautiful baby, healthy, delivery went well, and she was talking about God's faithfulness to all these mother mothers around her. So I said, you know what, Carla, this is amazing. You've experienced a miracle of God. You saw his hand at work. I mean, look at you. You prayed. You're a warrior. What do you say about opening your heart to Jesus now and walking with him? Yes, I think it's time. So we all prayed in unison, and she's received Christ as her Savior. Another girl came up to me the same day, because sometimes you wonder, is this making an impact? Are people getting it? Are, or are these girls bored? And, you know, what, what's going on inside their heads, you know? And she came to me, and she said, Renee, I've been meaning to talk to you for a while. When I have this baby and everything's settled, can I please work with Daughters of Hope? I have been so blessed. I want to bless others. And inside I'm going, oh, they're getting it. They're getting it. Lord, this is so awesome. Yes, of course you can, Leilani. And she's got tears coming down her eyes. I want to be a blessing because I've been blessed. And she goes, and you know what? I went to the hospital before just another checkup. And she said, they were marveled at all that I knew. They couldn't believe everything that I knew, the knowledge I had about delivery and what to do with a newborn and et cetera. And they're like, well, where did you learn all of this? We never see girls knowing this much information at this point. She goes, oh, I belong to the foundation of, of Daughters of Hope, and they've taught me all these things. So she goes, so you see, I really want to help others. And that's what it's about. We want to see lives transformed. I know that's the heart and desire of, of Calvary Gospel Assembly as well. You want to see lives transformed. You want that they know Jesus. But there's a lot of practical ways we can go about doing that. And so thank you for partnering with us, because if we didn't have partnerships like yours, we couldn't do these things. Pray for us as we continue to um, put in more water projects, um, as we continue to expand this organization, the program of Daughters of Hope, and we're strengthening pastors and leaders. We're having a marriage conference um, in two different cities coming up here in November. Be praying for us. You know, we need your prayers as well. So thank you for the opportunity to share. If you have questions, I'll be at the back. You can sign up for a newsletter. Um, there's ways to give if you want to give to something like Daughters of Hope or any other projects that we're doing. Um, and I'm, th I'm there to answer questions. Thank you again. And now I get to this wonderful privilege of, of presenting, actually, what am I, well, I have to say, you're not supposed to have your favorites, right? There's a lot of awesome pastors and preachers out there, but I do have a favorite, and that's Pastor Jim Larson. So I want to introduce to you my husband, Pastor Jim Larson. <laughs> Everybody has one fan. Amen? <laughs> well, good morning. That's kind of pathetic. Let's try that again. Good morning. Much better. I am honored to be here today. I am uh, very honored that I get to follow Rich Dobler. Uh, Rich Dobler is a good friend of mine, and he actually was my mentor. Um, I did not uh, become a Christian until I was 35, and I know most of you are saying, wow, he only looks about 28. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, and uh, so when uh, I was a baby Christian, yeah, he had a lot of work to do, and uh, I'm, I'm very honored to call him my friend. So, um, Church is going to be fun this morning. Amen? Good. I like that. I like that. I, do you mind if I start with a story? Is that all right? Thank you. Um, several years ago, um, I, as you notice, I, I'm in black. I like to preach in black. I don't know why. I just like the color black. And so my wife said, you know, Jim, you should add a little color to your wardrobe when you preach. And I said, but I, I, don't, I don't want to add color to my wardrobe. And she said, who do you think you are, Johnny Cash? I said, no, I don't think I'm Johnny Cash. And so we went to the event, and I was all in black. I was preaching that day. We were in the North Coast in a, in a city called El Factor. Church is packed. And I'm standing in the back, or sitting in the back, and worship is going on. I'm just talking to the Lord. And I look up, and there's a, about a seven-year-old Dominican young boy standing in front of me. He's got a black shirt on. And it said, hello, I'm Johnny Cash. <laughs> I said, Renee, you never argue with the Lord. It's perfect. You know, I do want to be serious this morning. You know, the, the war is outside. The war is not here. 
This needs to be a, um, a fortress. It needs to be base camp. This is a place where, where you go to regroup, to re-energize, to encourage one another, to build each other up. Not stab each other in the back, but build each other up. Because the battle in life is out that door. This isn't church. This is a building that God has given you. Church is outside. That's where church is. God came to, Jesus came here to save the lost. You're not lost. You're found. You build each other up and then go out for the battle. Amen? That's what this place is about. And I want to talk this morning about is your faith evolving? So let's pray. If you don't mind, we've got to do what we do in the Dominican Republic. When we pray, we stand. So Lord, I thank you for today. I, Lord, I thank you for this house that you have built. I thank you for your sons and daughters that stand before you. I thank you that we could come and gather here today freely, worship you and honor you. May we encourage each other every day. May the words that we speak encourage one another, but may they always honor you. So Lord, I thank you for this time together. Thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. And may your words impact your children and the hearts that sit before you. And it's in your awesome name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You may sit. Thank you. Um, please understand, when God gives me a, a message, it's not for other people, it's for me. He has to deal with me. And so, please understand, the words that God gave me were for me. But I'm hoping that it blesses other people that sit here today. And I do want to talk about, is your faith evolving? In other words, is your faith greater today than it was last week? Is your faith greater today than it was six months ago? Is your faith greater today than it was five years ago? So let's talk about something. What does it mean to evolve? I'm not talking about evolution, but what does it take? What does it mean to evolve? To evolve, according to Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, says it's to go from a simple form to a more complex form. So is your faith deeper today than it was last year? Only you can answer that. Let's talk about a couple things that have evolved over the years. Let's talk about the telephone. Now, if you're in here and you're under 30, you're probably not going to get this, and you're going to say, this guy is really weird. But when I was a kid, the phone hung on the wall. Everybody, people remember that? Yeah, and you had the rotary dial. Oh, yeah. Okay, you had to be really fast. And... The cord only went to about this far, so you had to stand next to the wall. Unless you were really fortunate and you had a long cord. Right? People remember that? So it's evolved. My parents wouldn't get the long cord. You had to stand next to the wall. Now the phone comes like this. Your whole life is on this thing. Right? It's evolved. It's went from a simple form to a more complex form. Let's talk about the automobile. Now, I, don't, I wasn't around when this happened. It was 1908. Remember, I'm 28. Okay. Well, when Henry T. Ford introduced his Model T in 1908, you had to go to the front of the car and crank it up, get inside, start it, go to your destination, and when you turned it off and wanted to go again, you had to go to the front of the car, Crank it up and go. Today, there's a car that's built that is street legal. It's called a Bugatti. A Bugatti Venom. It goes from 0 to 60 in 2.5 seconds. 1, 2, 60. Wow. If you ever want to get a missionary a gift, <laughs> I didn't say me. So it's evolved. 
This went from cranking the car up to going like crazy. Do you remember when you were first a Christian? I remember when I was first a Christian. It was like my pants were on fire. I couldn't tell people fast enough who Jesus was. I mean, I would tell everybody about Jesus. My question is, are your pants still on fire? Has your faith evolved? Is it deeper? You see, we serve a very jealous God. 91 times God says, serve the Lord, serve each other, be a servant. It doesn't say serve yourself. It says serve Him and serve others and be a servant. When God says something a couple times, it's pretty important. He says something five, six times, we should really pay attention. 91 times He says that. You see, He's very jealous. He He wants all of you. His first two commandments say, you shall have no other gods before me and do not create for yourself an idol. And you are sitting in God's house this morning going, what's he talking about? I don't have an idol. This is an idol. When this takes more time than your time with God, it's an idol. I'm not picking on you because I spend too much time on this. Remember, this message wasn't for you. It was to me. I spend too much time on this. Sometimes as Christians, we think when we stand before the Lord, it's kind of like the game Family Feud. Everybody know Family Feud? And so, we think that we go before the Lord and we've got you know, members of our family or friends or our pastor there, and they're there, there, and we're up here, and, and God says, well, top three answers on the board, how did, how did you serve me? And we say, well, you know, I, I attended church, and everybody says, hey, good answer, good answer. Good answer, good answer, right? But would Jesus say it was a good answer? He wants all of us. He doesn't want just part of us. Look at Luke 14. Do we have that? Luke 14. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. These are not my words. These are his words. And do you actually think he wants you to hate your father and your mother and your wife and your kids? Of course not. But you see, he's a jealous God. He wants everybody of you. you. He has to be first in our life. He has to be. He wants you to love your family and love your parents and love your children. But he wants all of you. And he must be first. As, they, as the young people say, God wants to be your BFF. And I had to ask like ten times what that was. Best friend forever. That's what he wants. He wants to be your best friend. He knows everything about you, but he wants you to know about him. He has to be first. And I believe if, we're gonna, if our faith is going to evolve, if we're going to get more deeper in our faith and get to know Jesus more, we need to do three things. One, we need to study His Word. And I mean really study His Word. If you're going to defend something, if, you're going to, if you want to know everything about this piano, then you should know everything about it. You should read the instructions over and over and over again. If you're going to sell it, you need to know it. Amen? If you're going to go out into the war, into the battle zone, you need to know God's Word. You have to study God's Word. Two, you have to recognize your call because all of you have been called by Him. And three, you need to apply action to that call. God says, fear the Lord your God, serve Him only. 1 Samuel says, but be sure to fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all of your heart. 
He doesn't want just part of you. He wants all of you. Second Chronicles says, you must serve faithfully and wholeheartedly. Luke chapter 4 says, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. He has to be first. And in order for Him to be first, you have to study His Word. You have to be intentional. You can't just take two minutes here and there. You're never going to get to know Him if you do that. He wants you to spend time with Him. He wants you to know how to defend His kingdom. Second, you must recognize your call. 1 Corinthians says this, I won't read all of it, but it says, Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. Now, I'm going to paint a picture here for you. It doesn't get much more foolish than this. You see, when we were called to the Dominican Republic, we had never been there before. And we certainly didn't speak Spanish. Well, you know, uno, dos, tres. And I knew azul and rojo. Those are colors. That's about it. But God said to go. In fact, when God said to go, my mom kicked us out of her house when we told her. She told, her, she told us, I never want to see you again. Get out before I say something I wish I hadn't. I, think. I was thinking, well, I think we went past that. But I honored my mother, and, and we left. And she called the next day. She didn't call me. She called my lovely wife and apologized, but she meant what she said. And to make a very long story short, I stayed in touch with her when we went to the field. I asked God. I remember asking God that night, Lord, what do I do with this? I love my parents. God said, did I call you? And I said, yes. He said, then go. I'll work out the details. And he did. He changed that whole relationship around. And the rest of the time my mom was alive, she's gone to be with the Lord. It was incredible. But you see, I live in a country, real, really, I, what I do to their language is kind of embarrassing. I'll go into a local hardware store and they'll look at each other and go, what did he say? But you see, we've seen thousands, and I mean literally thousands of names written into the book of life. We've had a front row seat to some of the most incredible things I've seen God do. I'm not bragging, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying you need to recognize your call. And when God says to go, go. It's His game. It's not our game. It's His game. He owns everything. Don't ever think you're weak and foolish and because God, with God, you're everything. Amen? Hallelujah. Second Thessalonians says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling. Did you find a broom? Can I have the broom? I like to use props because then I remember more and I hope people remember more. I need a volunteer this morning. Who's going to volunteer for me? Steve, I'm going to volunteer you this morning. Since we had dinner with you, thank you. I'm going to volunteer you this morning. Now, this, we're going we're we're to role play a little bit. I'm God. Just kidding. Okay. But I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, you need to recognize, I want you to take this, and I want you to go sweep the sidewalk in front of the church. No, you don't really have to do that. But just stay there. That's what I want. Now, he has a choice. He has a choice. He can say, I'm not sweeping, I'm not sweeping the, the sidewalk. Go do it yourself. It's not my job. He could say, yes, I'll go do it, and I'll do a fantastic job. Or he could do this. You may sit on that, please. Careful. He can sit on his gift. So he had the gift of sweeping. 
We have a choice. God gives you a gift, and you have a choice what you can do with it. You can throw it down and say, I'm not, I don't want no part of it. You can go and do it, even though you don't think you're qualified. Or you can come to church and you can sit on your gift and do nothing with it. It's your choice. But God wants you to recognize your call. You can sit back down. Thank you very much. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3 says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, we share in the heavenly calling. You see, it's His call given to us for His kingdom. 2 Peter chapter 1 says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling. Ephesians chapter 4, in the incredible words of the Apostle Paul, says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That means you have it. You own it. It's yours. It's His given to you to then do what you want. Sweep, throw it down, or sit on it. But He has given it to you to defend His kingdom. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. And why is it so important to recognize your call. Revelations chapter 3, if you would put that up there. I'll start in verse 15. It says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I will spit you from my mouth. So it's better for us as believers to either throw the broom down or sweep the sidewalk. Not to sit on the gift that God has given you. Because He wants you to use it to benefit His kingdom. Number three, apply action to your call. In 1 Timothy, Paul is talking to Timothy. And why it's so important to, it's so important for to God that you recognize your call and apply action is because it says God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. See, even the person that lives across from you in Iowa, you guys probably live miles apart, but even people that you don't like, and don't sit in church and say there's nobody you don't like, come on. Let's just be real. you got faces going across your screen. Even the people you don't like or don't get along with doesn't mean they're not loved by the same Father you have. He loves them every bit as much as He loves you. He wants all His kids to come home. He doesn't want to lose any of them. James chapter 2. I'm put this up here. God downloaded this to me, and um, you need to hear my heart on it. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? These are his words, not mine. But this is what he gave me. He says, most of my kids say, I'll pray for you. It's a Christian term when people have a problem. I'll pray for you. And don't go home today and say, hey, the missionary told us not to pray. That's not what I said. But that's sometimes all we do. And I know there are things that, we, that are out of our control we can't do. But how many things come across our, our, in front of us that we can do something about that we choose not to do it? How many? I'm as guilty as all of you. I don't want to be bothered. I don't have time. I'm in a hurry. Think up one. But we have the chance to make a difference, to show people what Jesus looks like. I'd rather see a sermon any day than hear one.
he goes on in this verse to say, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. You can have all the faith you want. You can come to church, you can study your Bible, you can do everything you want. But if you don't apply action, God is saying, what good is it? What good is it? If I give you all these gifts, I'm your heavenly Father that has given you all these gifts and you do nothing but sit on the broom, what good is it? At least if you throw the broom down, somebody else could pick it up and do it. If you sweep the sidewalk, it's done. But if you just sit on your gifts, what good is it? I'm not picking on anyone. Please hear my heart. I am not. Matthew 28, all of you know this section of Scripture. You've read it hundreds of times. The Great Commission. Therefore, what? Go. Two-letter word, it's very hard to do, isn't it? Now, everybody thinks, oh, that's foreign missions. No, it's not. If you go from your house to across the road or down the street here, I'm sorry, I'm in Iowa, go down the road, you're still going. If you're at work and go to, to help one of your coworkers, you're going. If you go and vil- visit your lost child, you're going. God is looking for you to go. If He calls you to foreign missions, hallelujah, go. Don't say you can't do it. Don't sit in this room and tell me you're not qualified. You are qualified. God qualified you. He's just looking for people to go. And why is it so important? This is why it's so important. This is one of my favorite stories in Scripture. And I want to share it with you. And I'm going to paraphrase it. But I, 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 it's, it's so eye-opening. It comes out of Luke chapter 16. It's Lazarus the beggar and the rich man. And so, the rich man, he has everything. He lives in a huge house. He's got all kinds of gold jewelry. He's got money beyond belief. He's got the finest clothing. He's got the finest of foods. He's got everything. And the story tells us that Lazarus the beggar sits, out of his, sits outside his gate waiting to get the scraps from his table. In fact, Lazarus is so pathetic that the Bible says dogs come up and lick his sores. Then it goes on to say they both die at the same time. And Lazarus, he goes to be with Abraham. And the rich man, he goes to hell. And it says there's a great chasm between the rich man and Lazarus. And he yells over to Abraham and says, please, please send Lazarus back just so he can dip his finger in cold water and put it on my tongue. I am dying here. This is the scary part for me. That means that when I go and sit with Abraham, am I going to see the people that I did not have the op- that I chose not to minister to? I, I don't want that. Can I get two chairs? Thank you. I don't want that. I don't want that. You can put them right up here. I just want you to think about this. When we pass away, and it's guaranteed that will happen at some point, we will go stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's what the Bible tells us. So I want you to picture this because this is what God gave me. And He gave it to me for me to think about for myself. So I pass away. And I sit here and Peter comes up to me and says, Jim, it's really nice to see you. Sit here. Jesus will be with you in a moment. What will you feel like when you sit here? How nervous will you be when you sit here? And then Jesus comes in and He sits next to you. And He says, well, I'm glad to see that you're home. I want to show you some things. 
and you see the great chasm and you see the souls that you chose not to talk to. And he says, I want you to turn around. Here's the big screen. And I'm going to give you, we're going to play the video of your life. And you can talk to me about it. I don't know about you, but when I sit in this seat, I want to be leaping up and down and saying, Jesus, that was me! I was awesome! I defended your kingdom every chance I got. I told everyone about you. My pants were on fire continually for your kingdom. I don't want to bow my head and say, I failed. You gave me opportunities over and over again, and I failed. I'm so sorry. Send me back. Let me do a better job. There's no going back. This is a one-shot deal. I don't say this to scare you. This isn't fire and brimstone. Not like that. This is the real deal. This is what we have. We have one shot at life. One. Nobody knows how long that is, how many years that is. But we're here. The older I get, like last year when I was 27, but this year when I'm 28, the older I get, I am more convinced that life is about one thing. And you can talk to me all day long. It will never change my mind. It's about one thing. One. Serving Jesus Christ. It's not about anything else. I lived on the other side of the tracks for a long time. For a long time. I did things that I would never tell anybody about. There's no happiness in any of that. There's only happiness in having your pants on fire and serving Him. It's all about Him. It's about when you sit here, and for me, I'm going to go to heaven, I'm going to play the video, I'm going to be leaping up and down, Christ is going to say, way to go. Well done. I'm going to show you your brand new Harley Davidson and the 18-hole golf course I built for you. It's my dream. Because when we go to heaven, if God created earth with all its spectacularness to it, what do you think heaven is like? This is only the entree. The main course is there. It's got to be spectacular. And I want it all. I want the front row seat. I want everything. But you have to serve Him here. You have to study His Word. You have to recognize that you have a great call. Your sphere of influence, young lady, your sphere of influence is different than yours. doesn't make you better. doesn't make you better. It's just a different sphere of influence. You have people that are lost. You have people that are lost just a different sphere of influence. No call is greater than the other. It's just a call. We're not better because we're missionaries. What does that have to do with anything? I want to be better because every day I lived, I lived for Him. And I don't want to be better for other people. I want to be better to Him. I want Him to recognize me and say, you're awesome! I don't care what other people think. I want to please my Father. It's not about pleasing other people. It's about pleasing Him. That's what it's about. It's about taking your broom and putting it to work. And you can do that. So I have a question for you this morning. As I close, how many of you want to serve God more than you're serving Him right now? If you do that, stand up. And here's the deal. If you don't mind, if everybody's cool with it, I would like to do something we do in the DR. If you want more of Jesus Christ and you want to serve Him and you want Him to make your call so vivid, I want you to come to the front and just line up the front.
awesome. When you stand here this morning, the deal is it's not between you and me. The deal is between you and Him. God wants all of you. You are so precious in His eyes. You need to realize that. You are so precious. Your Heavenly Father never, ever has made a mistake. You are perfectly and wonderfully made. Do not ever sell yourself short. Do not ever say you're not beautiful. Ladies, do not ever utter those words. Ever. Because you're you're insulting your Father who created you. He's the masterpiece. He's the greatest artist to ever be. He made you perfect. And gentlemen, don't ever stand and think you're not good enough because you are good enough. Because God has made you good enough. He just wants you to pick up the broom and use it. Because He wants all of His children to be saved. You are the answer in someone's life. I'm telling you right now. You know, don't... Sometimes I go, well, I'm not Billy Graham. I don't want you to be Billy Graham. I want you to be Jim Larson. That's what I want you to be. God wants you to be exactly who you are. He'll work out all the other details. He'll open the doors. We're going to pray today that you have the wisdom to walk through each door that He opens and you walk by the ones He closes. Because there are doors you're not supposed to go through and that's okay. We need to know the difference. So all eyes closed, all heads bowed. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much, Lord, for this morning. I thank You for each one of Your sons and daughters that stand before You. Whisper in their ear, Lord, how precious, how precious they are. How much You adore them. Put them on a pedestal, Lord. Let them hear Your praises. I pray, Lord, that You will reveal their call. Like they're driving down the freeway and there's a billboard and says, exit here. They will answer those calls. You will give them the wisdom to know which exits to go through and which ones to drive by. I pray, Lord, that You will instill each one courage and wisdom and biblical knowledge beyond their years. I pray, Lord, that You will make them great ambassadors to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And they will not be afraid to defend Your Word or Your kingdom wherever You send them. Have Your hand upon each one, Lord. Protect them. Guide them. And give them wisdom. Lord, I pray over each marriage here that Your hand is upon it. That You will strengthen those marriages. That You will strengthen the relationships with children and grandchildren. That if there is a, a son or daughter, Lord, that has lost their way, Lord, we pray for them today that they will come back to You. Come back to their parents. Come back into the fold of Your kingdom. For each member here, Lord, that has been sick, Lord, we ask that Your healing hand is upon them. You will lift, we will lift them to You, Lord, and that You will cradle them. You will cast all sickness out in Jesus' name and You will restore them to health. I thank You for this fortress You have built here. I thank You for base camp. May it always be a safe place to come. May this body of believers build each other up, encourage one another, be there for one another. When someone falls, the church comes around to pick them up. May it be safe. I thank You for this time we, we were able to spend together, Lord, opening Your Word. 
May we apply these words to our heart and may we go deeper in serving You, representing You, and answering our call. In the awesome name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Pastor Dave. Amen. Hey, um, before you guys go, um, I want you to know that as a church, as a pastor, and I know that as a leadership of this church, man, if, if you feel God calling you to something, whether it be missions or in this community, if you have a vision for something and we can help, let us know. If we can help facilitate it, if we can help be a part of it, let us know. And we'll do the best we can to help and guide and make it happen. Amen? Amen. Uh, before you leave, I, I just want to, again, encourage you, please pray over those who are sick, struggling, uh, going through it right now with COVID. And I mean, in this area, it kind of seems like it's kind of taken over for a little bit. And we pray that this is just a short season and that it will be taken care of in Jesus' name. Um, please remember also that if you are sick or have symptoms, you know, stay home for the week, watch online, come back next week healthy, and, and, and do what you got to do. Um, but we love you, and really, uh, we are, my wife and I are just absolutely blessed to be back here. We are, Jim, thank you so much for an awesome word. Thank you for Renee for showing that what was happening with Daughters of Hope and how ins inspirational that is. And, and just, uh, man, thank you so much. Please give them a hand, a hand again. I also want to encourage you, before you leave, go and check out the table. Um, go and look at what they're doing in the Dominican Republic. And uh, if God lays it on your heart to, to minister to them, uh, you can see the different information that's there to do that. And so uh, before you go, Take, you know, shake someone's hand, uh, show them some love, and I just pray that God would bless and keep us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray one short time. Lord, I pray over those who are here. I pray the Lord would bless them. I pray the Lord would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. Lord, I thank you for those who are here and those who are watching online. I pray that you would give them rest in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you, and we'll see you next week.